Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. everybody. In case you haven't noticed, you have to talk louder with these masks on. So it's always an adjustment when you take your mask off, you know, because you've been used to talking so loud and then somebody says to you, why are you talking so loud? Because nobody could hear me. So I have um, felt a burden, especially over the last few weeks, and I want to carry this burden into the next few weeks. Um, there's a famous news commentator this week. Let's see, how far up can I get? I think I'm okay. There's a famous news commentator this week that made the statement that Jesus was not perfect. Um, I won't name who it was. You can check it out if you want. Um, obviously, he's, we don't agree, and he's not correct, that Jesus did not walk on the earth perfectly. We know that that's an untrue statement that he did walk perfectly in every way without sin and accomplished everything that the Father asked him to accomplish. And I think it's significant when we were just singing the song Waymaker that the way is already made for us to follow in his footsteps, to follow the direction he follows because everything he did was to please the Father. And so we determined to be in his way and in his purpose and so, in terms of what we've talked about the last few weeks and thinking about words like pandemic and pandemonium and just the activity of the demons in the atmosphere, the strategy of the enemy to rob and steal and destroy and create all sorts of confusion, uh, I feel like it's important for us to take the opportunity in our time together, in our worship, and in looking at God's Word to get refocused on Jesus. It's about as simple as, as that. So that's what I want to do today and probably over the next few weeks. And hopefully we do that all the time, but I want to pay particular attention to different things that I think are reflective of Jesus' heart. And I think you'll find it interesting in a passage that is probably pretty familiar to most of us that actually reveals Jesus' heart in specific words. So I want you to look with me at Matthew chapter 11. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 25. 25 to 30, it says, At that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Be mindful of the fact, everyone, as we look at this passage together, that obviously intellect and being rational and making good decisions is important. But it isn't, those are not as near as important as having awe and wonder like little children have. One of the things that I am aware of is that the uh, Conrad and Leonard kids have discovered the fun of paddleboarding. If you you probably figured that out if you saw the Conrad's van when you drove up this morning. 
you can figure out what they're doing this afternoon. But it doesn't matter if Riley and Abigail understand how the paddleboard floats and works and why the fact that theirs is lighter makes it easy for them to maneuver and get around. And It doesn't matter for them to understand how much it costs or why it works a certain way. It's just the awe and wonder of, this is fun. This, is, this actually floats and it stays up and I can stand on it and, and I can paddle and I can go out further out into the Long Island Sound and, and I can actually make my way back hopefully. They don't have to know all the reasons. They just have to have a heart of awe and wonder to enjoy what they have to participate in. And it's so amazing that Jesus makes this statement that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. And so I want to encourage us as we look at this passage again in a fresh way, that we even in some ways forget the former things in the past and just grab a hold of some new things this morning, like we're getting new information or new understanding that comes to us because we're acting like we're learning it for the very first time. Verse 26, Jesus says, Yes, Father, for such was Your gracious will. It's the will of the Father to reveal Jesus to you. Just imagine for just a moment. It's the will of the Father to reveal Jesus just to... And put your name in there. Put your name in that blank. He specifically has decided because the Father says, reveal, reveal who, you, who I am to her. Reveal who I am to him and to him and to her. He's picked every one of you out this morning and has said, I want them to know more about me. I want you just to settle in this morning about and consider what a great privilege it is that the Father has decided that He wants you to know more about Him. We can look out at the trees in the yard and we can go, you know, Leighton can tell us everything there is about the trees. He can tell us everything that we need to know about whether we should cut them down or what we should prune back. But Leighton, the Father knows more than you do about that tree. He knows more than anything that any of us are aware of. Not because Leighton is not informed, but because he has the privilege of knowing a Father, just like we do, who out of the Father's will has said, I want to reveal these things to Leighton and to others, but there's so much more to discover because the Father's behind it all. In verse 27, he said, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Kind of an exclusive statement that it is, but it is what it is. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. So the Father, out of His good will, says, I'd like them to know the Son. And then the Son still has a decision to make. Well, I have to decide whether I want to reveal the Father to them too. So not only has the Father revealed the Son to us, but the Son has said, all right, I would be happy to reveal the Father to them as well. 
And so he says these famous words in verse 28 to 30. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And here it is. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now if we're going to step into the footsteps of Jesus and the path that He set before us, I want to ask you to consider right at the outset this morning what condition your heart is in. Is it snarky? Is it grouchy? Is it hurtful? Is it in pain? Is it critical? Is it too analytical? Is it filled with shame? Is it harsh? But consider Jesus' heart. Jesus describes, is described as one who is gentle and lowly in heart. And because of that, we are able to find rest for our souls. And verse 30 says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to read you a couple of prayers that come out of the context of the Heidelberg Catechism related to these verses. So I'd like you to bow your heads at the outset of this message. And I want to pray these prayers over us this morning. If you want to, you can put your hands out in front of you to receive whatever the Lord wants to do afresh in your heart this morning. Because I'd like, I'd like this morning just to be a time of renewal of your hearts. Promise-keeping God to believe is to commit myself and to give my heart away. And that is a scary proposition. But you woo me like a lover, making clear your intentions and making certain your promises by giving your guarantee in Jesus who has already given Himself fully for me. May this hope be the anchor of my soul. Lord of the Sabbath, I can faithfully observe a day of rest and yet miss its point. Your rest is the goal of life. It's what's intended for all creation. To know You and to enjoy all of Your goodness. Thank You for the Gospel invitation to catch my breath, to stop all my striving, and enjoy everything accomplished for me in Jesus Christ. In His name I pray. Amen. Now I'm going to make a declaration, a very simple declaration in just a moment. And I want you to be careful with this because you've got mask on and so it's hard to take a deep breath. But I want you just to stop and pause and I want you just to take a breath. Just take a breath. Breathe in the presence of the Holy Spirit who Jesus promised would come and reveal more about who He is to us. And here's the declaration, Jesus is our Sabbath. Jesus is our resting place. In the four Gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's only one place that reveals Jesus' heart in this way. It's the only place really that it reveals anything about Jesus' heart specifically. We know about His heart, but these words, gentle and lowly of heart. And we're not told that He is austere and demanding in His heart. We're not told 
that he's exalted and dignified, although he is. We're not told that he's joyful and generous, although he is. The Holy Spirit, through his inspiration, inspired Matthew to grab a hold of these words. And maybe Jesus said all the other phrases as well, but the one Matthew grabbed a hold of was the phrase, gentle and lowly of heart. Meek, humble, gentle. Jesus is not trigger happy. And letting Jesus set the terms, His surprising claim is that He is gentle and lowly in heart. He's not harsh, reactionary. He's not easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most common to him is not a pointed finger. His most common posture is open arms. He will not shame you into better behavior. He will not trick you. He will not tease you or play practical jokes on you. He will not laugh at you. He will not terrorize you. He will not pull the rug out from underneath you. He does not drop the other shoe that you're waiting to drop. He doesn't pull fast ones on you. He doesn't roll his eyes, throw up his hands, or turn his back on you. He's never passive or aggressive or like a bully. Dallas Willard says something that probably all of us need to repent of this morning. He says, never believe anything, about, anything bad about God or about Jesus. Instead, I want to encourage all of us this morning to embrace His advocacy for us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. If we could look at that verse. Simple little verse, but there's a key word in this verse about the position of Jesus for us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, anybody here ever sin? If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Doesn't matter how much we need to grovel in the dirt, doesn't matter how horrible we feel, doesn't matter how far we think we have fallen. Jesus is our advocate fighting for us, saying to the Father, let them come back. Let Him come back. Let her come back into our relationship. Remove and lift the shame. Take away the burden of the sin that they're carrying. Let them come. Because I'm standing on their behalf. He is fighting for us. Lowly means also that He is accessible. The point in saying Jesus is lowly is that He's accessible to all of us. For all of His resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, His supreme uniqueness and His otherness, 
All of those things which are so true, there's no one in human history who has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. That is the craziest paradox of all about our relationship to Him. You read the book of Revelation, and you look at Revelation, and you read things that describe Him, how all the angels are bowing around His throne and declaring His worthiness. But just as if a little kid came up to one of us and wanted a hug, we could walk up to Him and at that moment, He is accessible to us as well. I don't claim to understand it, but I'm really grateful that that's the reality of who Jesus is. His lowliness of spirit produces supernatural grace in us. Lowliness of spirit, the opposite of pride, brings a good sense about things. There's graciousness graciousness in His words. Go and sin no more. Serve the wine I just made out of the water. Stand up and walk. Be healed of the leprosy. You're clean. He brings sweetness to our soul and health to our body that no one in this room can provide like He can. That no news media can provide. That no president, that no politician, that no prime minister, no king, no senator, no representative, no mayor, no one can provide the kinds of things that Jesus can provide for us. Because His lowliness of spirit produces a supernatural grace where He's fighting for us and He's available to us. And you know what our means of access is? Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. There's no payment required. He just says, if you're burdened, if you're heavy laden, come and I'll give you rest. Gentle and lowly. And this, according to his own testimony, is Jesus' heart. It's who he is. He's tender. He's open. He's welcome. He's accommodating. Understanding. Willing. Willing to put up with us. He's accessible to us. If we were asked to say only one thing about who Jesus is, we would be honoring Jesus' own teaching if the only answer we gave was that He's gentle and lowly. Meek, humble, gentle, not trigger-happy. Dane Ortland says He's not harsh or reactionary, easily exasperated. He's the most understanding person in the universe. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Passion Translation says, All that I require of you will be all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. And what is it that's easy? It's his yoke. He says, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's not saying when he makes that statement that we're free of pain and hardship. He's saying my yoke is easier than any other way. You know, as a counselor, one of the questions that I commonly ask, it generally comes within the first one or two sessions. 
after I've listened to all of the problems that are going on in someone's life, the question is just a simple one. How's that working for you? Sometimes the response is, well, obviously not very well. Or what do you think? Or it's not working at all. And so then my next response is to say, can I show you a better way? All of us have available right here the better way. And so all of us can turn to each other when we're struggling together in different things and when we realize that our brother or sister has gotten a little bit off kilter and something is, is not quite right, I think a good question that we need to ask one, each other once in a while is, is, and maybe more than once in a while is, how is that working for you? And how, how much are you wearing the yoke that Jesus offered to put on you? And maybe it's because you've gotten away from the yoke. Because when we put His yoke on us and we like a fellow oxen in a yoke as two oxen walking together, the yoke and the pattern or the process of plowing that ground goes a lot smoother if they walk together. The only time the yoke becomes noticeable and super painful is when I start pulling away from the yoke. It was common for rabbis to be referred to as ones that put a yoke on their followers. And some of the rabbis were stern, and some of the rabbis were super demanding and required a deep requirements. 613 laws, you've got to follow them all to the T. But Jesus says, no, you just put my yoke of grace on you, and my yoke will be easier. The yoke is this heavy crossbar that was laid across the oxen, but Jesus' yoke is one that is almost like a non-yoke because it's a yoke of kindness, unlike other rabbis. And staying in His yoke makes a way through any difficulty. That's why we can sing, He's Waymaker. Through any circumstance, He's the Waymaker. Through any trial, He's the Waymaker. Through any wilderness, He's the Waymaker. And sometimes we mistake the yoke as more of a burden, but if you think of someone, if you were drowning in a lake, and I went out to rescue you, and I came out and put a life jacket on your back, and you say, I don't need more weight. I'm, I can't even swim. I can't even get up. Without realizing that the life jacket's going to help you buoyant, be buoyant and, and come to the surface. And in a way, that's what the yoke is for us. It's like a life preserver around our body that, that allows us to float to the surface and realize that we can make it to the shore even when a few minutes ago we thought we were going to drown. It's what we're all like. Confessing Jesus with our lips, but generally avoiding deep fellowship with Him out of a muted understanding of His heart. His yoke is kind, and his burden is light. His yoke is a non-yoke. His burden is a non-burden. It's like helium in a balloon. Jesus' yoke does that for his followers. And we're buoyed along in life by his endless gentleness and his, his supremely accessible lowliness that 
helps us to get through circumstances that seem impossible to get through. He doesn't simply meet us at our place of need. He lives with us in our place of need. He's right there beside us, fighting for us, accessible for us. And He never tires of sweeping us into His tender embrace because it's the very heart of Jesus as He reflects the heart of the Father. Danny Silk makes an interesting statement because sometimes I think that we somehow have a lot to bring to the table. He says, as a believer, we didn't get into a relationship with Jesus because we seem so much like Him. We get into a relationship with Jesus because He delights in us joining with Him and gives us the privilege to become like Him. I want to read you a statement from a famous Puritan pastor. If you've ever read Puritan sermons, Thomas Goodwin's sermon on this passage is actually about 25 pages long. Because they use it to preach for like two and a half hours. Thomas Goodwin says that this high and holy Christ does not cringe at reaching out and touching dirty sinners and numbed sufferers. Such embrace is precisely what He loves to do. He cannot bear to hold back. It's crazy to think that the uglier I get does something to Jesus and stirs something up in Him that says, oh, there's something else I can help Him with. We naturally think of Jesus touching us the way a little boy reaches out to touch a slug for the first time. His face screwed up, cautiously extending an arm, giving a yelp of disgust upon contact and instantly withdrawing. We picture the risen Christ approaching us with a severe and sour disposition. But instead, what we get is, why don't you just come to me? you ugly, sour, creepy persons. And I will give you rest. Because I'm gentle and lowly in heart. So as we get ready to finish and let this percolate into our hearts through today, because of this, we know we can anchor ourselves to Him so that nothing that is inclined to pull us away from His rest and grace is able to have significant impact. How many of you know there are a lot of things right now in our culture, in our world, that are trying to pull up the anchor? We need Jesus to be a heavy anchor for us. And I want you all kind of in your mind's eye right now to imagine that you're getting ready, you're taking Jesus and you're throwing an anchor over your lifeboat into the sea of this life. And you, you all know that we are in a deep, deep ocean. And we need an anchor that's going to go to the bottom and hold us tight. And hold us steady in the midst of the tossing back and forth in the waves. 
You know, I was listening to, well, I was talking to Jeff about the kids on their paddleboard. And I, certainly not making fun of Jeff in this one because I can't even stand up in a boat hardly, let alone stand on a paddleboard, that I have no sense of balance. But he was talking about how easily the kids were able to stand on the paddleboard and navigate without falling off, even in the Long Island Sound where the waves are just like this. I know the kids are not interested in throwing an anchor over with a paddleboard. That would not be much fun. But we're in deeper waters than the Long Island Sound. We're in the deepest of deep oceans. And we need the gentle and lowly one to be the anchor of our soul. And so we place our trust in Him as an anchor. And I want to finish this morning with this passage, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. We have this in Him as a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I'd like you to bow your heads. In fact, I'd like you to stand up and bow your heads at the same time. Just stand together as we get ready to close in worship. I want you to bow your heads and agree with me in this prayer from the Psalms. As we throw the anchor over. Everybody take your hands right now and just pretend like you're throwing an anchor over the side of the boat. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. Mighty, my, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Let's say that together, everybody. God is a refuge for us. God is a refuge for us. Take my yoke upon you. All of you that are heavy laden and burdened because I'm gentle and lowly of heart and I will give you rest. Amen. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts up His voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he brought, He's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. 
he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. As we get ready to leave, everyone, would you repeat with me those words? First of all, the Lord Almighty is with us. Let's say it together. The Lord Almighty is with us, and the God of Jacob is our fortress. Ready? The God of Jacob is our fortress. I pray that as you go and rest in the arms of the one who is gentle and lowly of heart, that his Father would turn his face upon you and in this season of turmoil and trouble would give you more grace than you ever thought possible. And that the Father would turn His face to you and give you shalom that allows you to have peace in the midst of whatever circumstance and no matter how dark the times may seem, that there's a light that you can see off in the distance because you're experiencing the very peace of God in the midst of whatever it is that is on your pathway. Go in the grace and peace and the gentle and lowly arms of Jesus Christ.